0: right so we are here and it is Easter Sunday and oh yay Rebecca's here with dog with Maggie um it is Easter Sunday which is a holiday that as a kid I celebrated it was one of my favorites because it's when the Catholics get weirdest like fully. Mhm. It's we would do this midnight mass. Was it midnight? Yeah. And we would do this procession from I loved it. Uh from the rectory that was next door. I went to the Jesuit Catholic school on Powell here if you're in Portland, Oregon. And we would do this procession of the adults who were converting to Catholicism from the rectory to the with the whole parish to the church which was like a block and a half away and like a cross would be carried and the adults who were choosing to get baptized a lot of times it was cuz folks were going to be marrying someone who was catholic would be wearing these like white robes like we're t- talking like it like cult weirdness and then if the on that night when the adults were getting baptized, so these were people who were choosing it, so it was, like, a very big deal, not just, like, raised in it like I was. There would be this, like, big, huge bathtub, and they would do the full submersion wearing these white robes at the midnight mass. (laughs) And I remember thinking, A, where do they keep that bathtub the rest of the year? Is it, like, always there? Because to me, as a little kid, it seemed to be, like, there was like a door that opened and it was like in the basement. I don't know. <laughs> that was a big mystery to me. And then I also remember feeling um, this feeling like what a big three days that had been for Jesus that the crucifixion and the resurrection all happened so suddenly, right? Um, and not really understanding how that could all be possible. Like he's just eaten dinner with his friends. And then, boom, it's over. He's betrayed. There's a betrayal. And then, oop, he's brought back to life. And it seemed in that way not to relate to me, right? It seemed beyond humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part where a lot of um, wisdom traditions sort of lose us, right? Is when there starts to be... Uh, a way in which the stories are related and passed down and all wisdom, kinds of wisdom to tra- traditions that seem outside of us, right? Outside of our realm of human experience. And so what I've liked to do is I have grown up and as many of you know, began to sort of um, not, because there's a way in which when we are raised in certain wisdom traditions or religious traditions, that there's the the construction of them happened right and then we have the deconstruction of them and there's sort of a denial or a pushing away or separating from the place in which we were raised for many of us and that's fine that's just part of it so there's the construction the deconstruction And then as we grow older, if we're interested in this kind of stuff, that question of who am I, what am I, what am I doing here, these more existential questions that have to do with meaning, then there is a reconstruction from our adult, wise, intuitive self. So this is interesting, right? Because we have life here and then the death cycle, the deconstruction, and then life again. And the etymology, of course, you know, I looked it up, of the word resurrection is actually to rise again. To rise again. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe I have, we're constantly, or I am constantly... Forgetting and then relearning lessons that I've even taught all of you. It's just how it goes. We can't hold all of it at once. And when I was preparing for this talk and I looked it up, I was like, Rise again, again. That means we've done it before, right? That means we've done it before. And if we think about even just the cycle of the way in which we relate to wisdom traditions or to anything, construction, deconstruction, reconstruction, we're doing that all of the time in our relationships with our bodies, this human house full of holes, this gorgeous portal from which we get to view the universe, this gift, right? <laughs> with, our, um, with the earth, we see the seasons happening, right? It all goes to bed and becomes, the fields lay fallow in the winter and then it all springs back up in the spring. And it is no coincidence, my friends, that this holiday of this Christian wisdom tradition happens in the spring, right? And that that comes from traditions that came even before the Christian traditions of these springtime um, holidays. So that's kind of the setup for what we're talking about today. And as always, when we're talking about anything that has to do with traditions in which people were raised where there could have been woundedness yes, me too. and you are not alone. Um, and we don't or I am not one who as I've gotten older wants to throw the baby out with the bathwater. right That middle place of deconstruction isn't where I am anymore, but that doesn't mean that it's not where you are, right? And that all of that, right this is this is a day about, all of it being included in the circle. The All of it is welcome here. <clears throat> oh, yay. Hi, Laurel. Good. I'm glad you're here. Mm. So that's where we're at. Um, mm. So I heard this wonderful quote this week um, from someone on a podcast. <laughs> And she said that anything that is shame-based is based on a lie, right? And so that's another way to think about the ways in which religious and wisdom traditions have misused the stories to become shame-based education systems. (laughs) Even like exercise systems do this, wellness systems, right? Anything that is shame-based is based on a lie. Um, And when we tell the truth, we can grow. That's like my main message to all of you pretty much every time we come together on Sundays. It's we have to start with the truth in order to grow. If we keep starting with shame with something that is based on a lie, we might say I feel shame and that can be the truth. And then the next question would be, what lie is this based on? And what would it look like? What would it feel like if I could tell the truth about that? Right? Um Because when we keep covering, we remain stuck. So, okay. Um, The gospel stories. (laughs) Uh, It starts with the idea, right? This is like the apex. This day is like the apex of all the gospel stories. This is like the reason why they're written. This day, this crazy thing happened, right? And, um if we start from the beginning, the idea of the whole thing is that God came down and became human. And the yogis would be like, yeah, that's what we are. (laughs) We're not separate from that story. And I think that's one of the ways in which they have been misused. The stories have been misused is that that idea that, God came down here and became human is separate from what we are, and why a lot of times the, the traditions don't resonate with us because we're like, Oh, that's outside of me. Um, and mm, I kind of think that if we took it as the ultimate permission slip, <laughs> that everything on this earth, that every part of us is guiltless. Right, is free from guilt and welcome here, like we did in the meditation this morning, that that shifts the whole narrative. Right. That God came down and did all of these revolutionary things and um, was fully human. Right. Had friendships, had lovers, ate food, you know, that um, all of it suffered, Mm -hmm. was betrayed that all of that is worthy of our love and our attention and that we can tell the truth about it right there's a way in which if we like devote ourselves to guiltlessness to shining the light on the parts of ourselves that we're protecting because we think that they're wrong and bad that we don't want to bring out into the light right um the ultimate permission slip I I like that version of the story a little bit more than it being outside of me Uh, (laughs) and nothing and like whoa that's like this crazy three days that this guy had a really long time ago you know um so I would say that um the I wrote tons of notes But if all of this is lovable, then there's nothing in the realm of the material world that needs to be excluded, right? To exclude via the symbol of the crucifixion is human. And to include is when we're moving from that divine loving awareness, huge largeness that is a part of us. And here's the thing, friends, is that yoga went through this too, The yoga practice, um, which came before Buddhism, went through this too. And it was the tantric yogis who started to ask the question, can we find God even here? So this is just what happens when humans get a hold of these ideas, that it became rigid, like you have to do this and do this and do this and do this if you're going to become awakened and be pure, um, go live alone like an aesthetic, walk around with no clothes, cover yourself in ashes, like whatever the thing is, sort of an exclusive way of becoming enlightened, right? And for sure, all of those things can help to heighten. Jack Cornfield talks about this, that when he was in the um, forest monasteries with his teacher, Ajahn Shah, that if you sit around and meditate, sit around, I'm sure it was just like that. They were just sitting around and if you are sitting around and meditating like that, that you will for sure start to have some mystical experiences. You just can't help it. Right? Your awareness becomes honed in a different way. You begin to see more, to see differently. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that we all need to do that. Right? That doesn't mean that we all need to do that. And the tantrics. Ask that question Can I find God? Can I find divinity in myself even here through sex? Right, that's the most famous version of Tantra. When by eating meat, right, um, by sitting and meditating, the Buddhists did this too with corpses. Can all of it be included? All the like nitty gritty parts of life, the construction the deconstruction, and the reconstruction, can we find God in all of it? That's the interesting question to me. Um, Richard Rohr calls this trusting the descent, (laughs) right? And he talks about, it's interesting, I never thought about this before, but he talks about the word Hades and how in this post-Christian world that we have sort of adopted this idea that the word Hades means hell and it's what happens when there's punishment. And the original meaning <laughs> of this word was just like, oh, that's where you go when you die. There's no judgment or um, right or wrong or shoulds or shouldn'ts or punishment at all involved. It was just like a dissent, right? A moving away from this world into another way of being, um, which is so fascinating to me. So he calls this, this idea of like trusting the descent, okay. that all of us are here in this human house full of holes and that there's nothing wrong with any of it. And when we trust the descent or the death cycle, right, the deconstruction phase of wherever it is that you are, then we're more likely to trust the ascent, the reconstruction phase as it is. Um, So there's three versions (laughs) that I want to talk about. It's so interesting of the story of Jesus' resurrection. And. Um, the first one is so cool, friends, it's so cool. It's that one of the disciples, Thomas was standing at the tomb where Jesus's body had been placed. and then Jesus appeared to him and Thomas recognized him, which is not uh, um, well actually, yeah, which is not the same as the other stories. And Jesus says to him, he takes his hand and says, "Put your hand in my wound." Put your hand in my wound. Oh, I was reading that this morning and I was just like, isn't that just the thing? (laughs) Come here, come here, come closer. Put your hand in my wound, right? Get close, touch it, feel it. I don't have to hide that part of myself from you. If every shame story is based on a lie, then the sort of 180 degree turn from that would be come here and put your hand in my wound, my flawed places, feel it, touch it, get close to it. I'm bleeding. I'm suffering. Isn't that lovely? There's just something so intimate about that. You might think about this in terms of... (laughs) I like the dating metaphor. I mean, my teacher, Manorma, loves the dating metaphors, and I think I just inherited that from her, so full credit. Um, But when we're dating in the very beginning, we don't have a put-your-hand-in-my-wound sort of way (laughs) of being, right? I was actually discussing this with my ex-husband yesterday, is that at the beginning, we all like the beginning because we're putting on our representative, our shiny self. Like, who wouldn't want to be with me? And that is not intimacy, right? And it's not till we've been dating for, um, my therapist says that people can maintain the shiny representative self for six months up to two years. And I've experienced that recently (laughs) where the shiny representative was able to stay for two years, right? And then when that leaves, we get to the put your hand in my wound phase. And that is intimacy, And it's at that moment where we see what people are made of, right? Are they trying to spiritually bypass and move, like, shove it down and be like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm great. This is going to be a transformative experience for me, right? (laughs) Or can we stay with the hand in the wound and really feel the feelings all the way through and trust the descent so that when we ascend, we will come out different, right? Because when we spiritually bypass and just move beyond it, that isn't how growth works. That's part of the lie. Right? There's a shame feeling about the wound like that. The, the lie is that the wound is wrong and bad when the truth is, is that we are all wounded. The second story is that um, I can't remember who found someone was walking on a road, found a man. It was Jesus. Plot twist. And brought him to dinner with all of the friends and the disciples and the (laughs) and it wasn't until they'd been like laughing and eating that suddenly they recognized that it was Jesus and they were like, Whoa, it's Jesus, and then Jesus disappeared suddenly after they recognized him. Right. So there was this funny moment of like, Yes, come, 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 stranger, come to dinner. And then they see the God in him. You get it? right? First you're a stranger, we don't recognize you. And then we pull you into the circle, no longer separate. And then we see the guiltlessness and the love and the divine and the largeness. And then the lesson is learned, right? And then the third one is that Mary Magdalene... um, had a man again appear before her she'd been crying at the tomb I think it was and you're welcome to correct me all you scholars um was crying at the tomb and then a man appeared and she thought that it was the gardener (laughs) she thought that Jesus was the gardener right um and again it's that same story (laughs) it's so good of just like, oh, I thought you were just a normal person who tends to the plants, to the earth, right? And then I realize, and then the veil is lifted. And I realize that you too have that largeness. I recognize the largeness. This is the essence of namaste, right? Is seeing the expansive capacity of love in everyone. That's what this is all about this day. That is the essence of resurrection, of to rise again, is when we recognize that expansive capacity to love, as we say at the end of every class, in others and also in ourselves, that it is not separate from us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, mm. This is the essence of it and here's your questions to take for yourself today if you have a journal. We can change, we can transform, we can grow, we can reconstruct when we allow ourselves the gift of guiltlessness. No part left out, nothing separate. So the question, the first question is what is it in your life you are protecting? right? What are you not recognizing? It's another way to put it. Are you pulling your hand away from the wound, pretending that it's not there? With a lie, with shadowing, with avoidance, with spiritual bypassing. What is it in your life you are protecting? This has been a big question that's been up for me, friends. And how might you be if you were to trust that all of it is welcome here? How might you be if you were to trust that all of it is welcome here, that you could stick your hand in the wound and still be okay? How would your life be different if you trusted the descent, the deconstructive process? There's things that we think that we can't bear. (laughs) And then we surrender to the flow of life and love as it is. And then somehow we bear them and we come out differently. right? That's the process of growing. That's how we rise again. (sighs) And the hope of this day is that we will change and that it will be spring, right? It's about becoming different, allowing ourselves to be changed. Not through pulling our hands away from the wound, but by getting closer to it. That's the whole thing. All right. That's your talk today here on this Easter Sunday. Um, I hope that it was helpful. I am a big fan of the metaphor. (laughs) I'm a big fan of the wisdom stories, um, the ways in which they intersect. Like, it's so interesting to think about the tantric yogis in relationship to this Easter story. Um, and, and yeah, if you have questions, please put them in the chat and I will get to them after we move.